Amen. Please be seated. Well, Church, we are really blessed to have linking in with us all the way from New South Wales, Gary Raymond. Gary is a former Chief Inspector with New South Wales Police. And he uh, is an OAM, Order of Australia Medal, for his services to the community. And uh, we've been blessed already at our first service. And I didn't do a really great job of introducing you, Gary, at our last service. I want to tell you a little bit about Gary, uh, because he, he will be, uh, probably won't tell you too much about that. But let me give you a bit of his background. Um, before, Gary, you joined the New South Wales Police, you served as a paramedic with the New South Wales Ambulance Service. And then after that, uh, he served with New South Wales Police in general duties, operative. He was a rescue instructor and operator. He was a designated detective, peer support officer, senior Royal Commission investigator, duty officer commander, terrorism risk assess- assessor. Uh, he's performed duty at Redfern Police Station, Police Rescue Squad, Blacktown Police Station, Riverstone Police Station, Cabramatta Police Station, Criminal Investigation Branch, Royal Commission Investigations, Manny Police Station, Rugby World Cup Command uh, is on his list. Some of the scenes that Gary has been to include the Granville train disaster, the Luna Park ghost train fire. Um, Gary attended the New South, New, Newcastle earthquake, Threadbow landslide disaster, um, the Manly ferry collision. Uh, what else is there? Cyclone Larry in North Queensland, Boxing Day tsunami disaster in Sri Lanka as well. Um, Gary, there's not too much you haven't done. And through the midst of this, you have seen God, I know, at work in some of the darkest of situations. And uh, we want to say, Gary, thank you so much. We even brought him some big screens just for you so we could see you clearly in here in the auditorium today. And Gary can see us here in the auditorium also. So, Gary, we just want to say a massive thank you for joining with us and sharing in our special Sunday today. So, church, would you make Gary feel really, really welcome as he comes to share with us? Right. Thanks very much. It's really good to be here. And uh, I'm certainly social distancing, aren't I? Sydney, Brisbane. They should be quite happy with that. And uh, I guess, too, look, thank you for all the pastors for making you welcome. And uh, the worship team, thanks for that beautiful music. And Tim, thanks for your prayer, too, and remembering those in the emergency services, the health and air, particularly the volunteers. Amazing people. That's, that's for sure. I see them constantly the amazing sacrifice they give to do that that work you know uh, i had a, a a dear elderly lady approach me some time ago and she said i would have loved to have been in the police force she said but i had a difficulty with an ankle and i they wouldn't accept me and uh i said to her well you know what can i recruit you right now and she said recruit me, I'm old and I'm decrepit, and uh, I said, no, you can pray for us. And so everyone here today with our emergency service service can actually join us by praying for us. And then you become part of the West Ambulance, fire family, volunteers, you become part of the, the health family by praying for us still on the front line. And the other thing connected with that too our Christian Place Fellowship here in New South Wales, for years now, we've been encouraging people to do what we call the siren's prayer. And that is whenever you hear a siren or you see a, an emergency services vehicle on lights and sirens, just pray firstly that they get there safely, that God gives them safe passage. 
because it is risky driving with lights and sirens through traffic, I'll tell you. I've done it for a long time. Secondly, that when they get there, that God will give them the ability to make very quick decisions and do the right decisions. And lastly, that people in that tragedy will become aware of God's presence there in that place. And so that's called the siren's prayer. The only thing we don't recommend is that if you're driving and you see an emergency vehicle, please don't close your eyes to pray. I guess too, looking at um, today, Palm Sunday, there are those who will wave palms and, and say, Jesus, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yet sadly and regrettably, there'll be those who palm, all right, palm Sunday, but they palm Jesus off and they reject him or they just don't, I guess, be aware of him or they deliberately do things against him. And those who palm Jesus off, we pray daily that they stop palming him off and pick up a palm to wave to him as saviour. Now, I was thinking about with policing and with church and the gospel message, there's some real alignment there. And as a police officer many times, and uh, and our police mates in the audience there today will relate to this, one of the most difficult times for a police officer is having to restrain someone who's resisting arrest or who won't give up. And it can be a very tough time wrestling with them, boxing with them, chasing them. It's just a, a very hard thing to do to restrain someone who's resisting arrest. And uh, we used to be always saying, you know, stop resisting, stop resisting, you know, give it up, give it up now, you know, surrender your gun and give yourself up or surrender your knife. And so we're, we're constantly striving with people to surrender or give up, give it up. And uh, I'm glad to, uh, Tim, that you mentioned uh, the critical incident, post-traumatic and post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, that's one of the things that they've got to give up and in the emergency services and, and all of us, as you'll see in a minute. Let's give up trying to do it by ourselves. When God offers all that time to see us through critical incidents, to see us through the aftermath of it, he offers that. He says, Jesus said, by my stripes, by my wounds, you'll be healed. So there's two things that happen on the cross. One, forgiveness of sin. Two, the offer of healing and support and help that God gives through Christ by the Holy Spirit. And so... For my own life in the ambulance service and then the police force, uh, the only time really that I was able to get through some horrendous incidents that I went to was to give up, to surrender to God and, and accept his offer of help and his offer to get me through these sort of things. And so I pray today that the emergencies that are present in the health services would then find it giving in to Jesus, surrendering and giving up. We'll see them through whatever these things. And this afternoon in the seminar, we're going to be talking in depth about critical incident stress, post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder and alongside all of that grief. And we'll be 
it's going to be a wow moment. Wow, I didn't know that, Gary, or wow, I'm glad I came. So that's this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Well, look, the only hope for a rebellious person uh, in life and, and on planet Earth is surrendering to God through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at policing, um, I've seen this many times where an offender commits an offence against the law. Now, God's put laws in place as well. They're all in this amazing book, the Bible. There's a ton of laws there. And this is God's love letter to us, the Bible, and his warnings as well. And the offender commits the law, uh, commits an offence against the law. What they do then, they that run from the police or they hide or they decamp from the area of the scene of the crime. And sometimes they barricade themselves in and refuse to give up. Well, in police thought, it becomes a siege then or a barricade situation, or sometimes we call it a standoff. The Bible says that we're sinners. In other words, we commit offences against God's law. Now, you might say, oh, Gary, come on, I've never murdered anyone. I've never, you know, sexually assaulted anyone. I've never robbed anyone. I've never you know, broken broken into a house and and never done. But he says that we are and we have offended him and broken his law. And so in the standoff situation, we saw that in the Garden of Eden, when you read the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They disobeyed him and they cut him off and decided to do their own thing. And we know that whole creation crashed because that link between man and God was broken and so the world went into catastrophic fall. We're seeing that today, suffering, bloodshed, crime, public disorder and a whole range of things. And we see it too in our own lives, rebelling against God sometimes. And, uh, and so when a siege happens, it requires the police to, uh, to get negotiators in a police entry team if needed. Um, and we negotiate with the offender who's not giving up. We're hoping that sometime they surrender. That's the best outcome. That's like us with Jesus. If we're holding siege now and we're not surrendering or giving up to Jesus and his love and his forgiveness, his mercy, then what we're doing is we're resisting him. And so... God pleads like a negotiator. His Holy Spirit pleads with us, saying, please come to me. Give it up. Give up trying to do life on your own. And give up holding all this guilt about the times that you've sinned against me. Come on. Come to me. Give it up. Now, we know with the siege, the offender is surrounded and cannot escape. Uh, Our police teams, we surround them, and there's no way out at all. Do you know what? There's no way out either. God's got you surrounded. You can't escape him. And if you're wrestling with him today, then there's no way to get in. Give it up. And I I know that um, a lot of the time that where people don't give it up, they're disturbed, their lives are not fruitful, they they lose sleep, they, they're argumentative, they're, they're very, very much... Um, inwardly and messing up, they're internalising things. 
and they've got no peace, no peace at all. And um, and so you can't. We saw in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve tried to hide from God, covered themselves up, but no, impossible to hide from God. And some of the behaviours in a seed situation or criminals that I've arrested are, the offender knows they've broken the law. They've got no doubt. That's why they're hiding or running. The Bible says that we've got a God's laws written on our hearts so we know instinctively what's right and wrong. Now, some people decide what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. The Bible talks about that. But this is God's right. And the other thing that happens too is that God has given us a conscience between making decisions and he's forever talking to our conscience. And uh, police officers and ambulance officers, uh, I do both chaplaincies, police and ambulance, they'll come up and they'll say, you know, why did that driver go head on into that vehicle? What's God doing? Well, look, God uses conscience to stop people doing things that they disobey. For example, if someone's driving drunk or speed or manner dangerous or drugged, and, and God has said, don't take drugs, don't drink like that and don't drive, they disobey God, get in the car and cause catastrophe, but God gets blamed. And so part of this is not attributing blame to God for our free will, and he gives that conscience. Like every offender, every single criminal, uh, God would say to them, don't break into that house, but they break in. Don't assault that person, but they assault the person. They're disobeying God. Now, next, the offender knows they will be taken to court. They know there's justice coming. The Bible says for those who absolutely reject Jesus, that you're coming to court. There's judgment coming. Now, that should frighten you. That really should, because to... To be in the hands of the, living, of the living God and getting his wrath upon you because you rejected him, that's not pretty at all. And it's an eternity thing. Please, please. Look, they set up, you know, they set up their defences and their defensive positions. Aren't we good at that? Oh, we're good at defending our actions or justifying our sin or breaking the law. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm in a hurry. Uh, or, or I, I needed something, so I stole it. And so we can always justify that. God says in his word, there's no justification for sin at all. They, these people who hold themselves in the seeds, they disobey our directions. We give them directions to lay their weapons down and come out with their hands up and open, and they disobey that, those directions. How often do all of us, every single one of us, disobey the Lord? Tells us to do something or not do something, we disobey him. And we suffer sometimes the consequences. And finally, these people in the seed situation always blame somebody else for their dilemma. They blame their past. They blame some other person. They blame this opportunity. It's blame, blame. We call it projected blame. And we saw that again in the Garden of Eden, didn't we? Right? Adam said, hey, God, I did it because of the woman you gave me. 
So God gets the blame and Eve gets the blame by Adam. And we're forever blaming other sort of things, aren't we? And that's part of this resistance and not surrendering God and taking responsibility for ourselves. And then he will forgive us, and all he has actually on the cross, and he'll help us through that. Look, the offender refuses to surrender. They know eventually they must be called upon to account for their crimes. It's only a matter of time. Timeliness is very, very important. Don't delay surrendering and giving up to Jesus. Do it today because you'll eventually be accounted to, but if you come to Christ, the account is scrapped, wrapped up and thrown in the garbage of his beautiful redemption and atonement. And so don't waste time. I'll tell you what, every police officer knows that many offenders, they're not sorry for their crimes, they're sorry they got caught. And many times, uh, I remember one occasion where uh, we had a juvenile office for stealing a car and dad comes in and I couldn't believe what I saw. We have to have people, parent or guardian or somebody sitting with a juvenile while we interview them. Next minute, dad went whack, hit him across the head and said, I told you, never get caught. Not I told you, don't steal cars. Well, we arrested Dad and charged him with assault. And uh, family services were informed too. So we've got to understand not to be sorry for what's caught us, but be sorry for what we did against him. Now, let's have a talk of what it really means, surrendering and giving up to God. Well, what do we give up? Well, in our lives, surrender means giving to God's love in Christ by the Holy Spirit. He loves you. You need to give in to his love and stop resisting his love. I guess a lot of people say, well, I don't know what it's like to love or be loved. Well, God does. He loves you and he'll teach you how to love with his love. Give up offending God's law with our sin. We've got to stop offending God's law, and that's called sin. And there's no other way to say it except stop it. Now, in policing and in our Christian lives, there's what we call the FF principle, facts and feelings. Let me give an example. Imagine me, which I've done many times, going to court to give evidence in a trial in the witness box. Can you imagine if I got up there and said, Your Honour and members of the jury, I've got this feeling this bloke murdered this person. I've got this inclination, I've got this perception that he murdered this person. Soon the judge is going to say, excuse me, detective, we don't want your feelings there, we want the facts. Isn't that interesting? Justice doesn't really rely on feelings, it relies on facts. And, of course, um, those facts are the true, I guess, account of what's happened and what's happening, what's going to happen, whereas feelings can be very unreliable. They can cause moods. You know, um, people get into court and they start pretending to cry, crocodile tears, they call them, and they're just acting on these feelings and the fact is they're not sorry at all. So, 
I had a police officer recently who said to me, Chapman, he's a Christian, and he, he was he was really upset and said, it's on your mind, mate. And he said, I feel God doesn't love me. He said, I feel my life's just not what it should be. And I feel I'm not witnessing as a police officer at work enough. And I feel I'm not doing enough for God. I feel I'm a failure at home because I, I just feel like vegging out when I get home from work and the kids and the wife are demanding on me. He said, I just feel that my life is going around in circles. So, Dwayne, that's very interesting. Stop using the F word. He said, Chuck Lowe can use the F word. He said, yes, you did. F-E-E-L. Stop using it. You can't rely on feelings. And I can tell you, according to God's word, according to the manual of life, the facts sheet, as they say in court, God does love you. He has a meaning for your life. He is seeing you through this. And he understands why you want to spend a little bit of time alone when you get home to get your head together for your family. I said, stop feeling things and look at the facts in the Bible. God loves you. His offer of help and support is there for you. And you've got to stop feeling and he looked at me, tears in his eyes, and said, fact, chaplain, I'm sick of relying on my feelings. I said, good on you, mate. And, um, and when I see him from time to time around the place and we police stations, he'll stop me and say, excuse me, chaplain. I said, yeah, mate. I said, fact, Jesus loves me. Absolutely right. I want to say to you, part of surrendering, Part of giving into God is not relying on your feelings, but rely on those facts. And, and and when you feel a bit down, don't rely on it. Just say, God, I feel this way. And often you can't not feel that way. But you can say, well, overriding that feeling is the fact that I'm safe with you now, dear Lord. Then there's the two, or oh, there's more Ds. Give up doubting God and his word. Stop that. Give up disobeying God and his word. Give up doubting God's existence as creator. I laugh my head off at the theory of evolution because as a detective, now I'm not a scientist, I'm not a priest, I'm not a pastor. I'm a detective, very well trained. And when I look at the theory of evolution versus creation, then we haven't got time to get into that in depth today. But let me tell you, from a detective's point of view, creation happened by God, the creator. Evolution is a total and utter theory to mark God out of it. So don't be sucked in thinking you came from the slot to where you are today. Stop, you know, look, give up doubting God's capability in your life to do things. And look, give up ignoring God, the Holy Spirit, when it's promptings to do and don't do something in our conscience. We mentioned that, didn't we? Now, this is the big one. Give up doubting God's timing. Surrender the timing of things in your life to him. He's perfect at timing. He knows exactly where the intersections have to take place of things happening in your life at a certain time. I must admit to you, often... I don't understand this timing until later on. 
in hindsight, I look back and I can say, now, God, I can see that was the right time for that. I didn't see it at the time and I got very impatient with you, God, but he knows exactly the time. Look, give up doubting God's will and his ways. God has a will and his will will be done. Um, and stop ignoring God, the Holy Spirit, correcting you. By the way, if you're a Christian today in church here or you're not yet a Christian, and hopefully you'll make that decision to surrender to the love of Jesus and his forgiveness today. But it says there that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No more condemning, but there is correction. God corrects me day in and day out, you know, through his Holy Spirit indwelling within me. And I'm sure those who know him know that too. But so let's not ignore his correction. Let's give up doubting God's presence. He's with you, not only indwelling within the believer, but omnipresent. And look, if he appeared right in that church today, there'd be no, no doubt people would kneel before him, whether they loved him and wanted his forgiveness or not. And that's why at the present time, he's invisible by his Holy Spirit, but very soon he's returning, every eye will see him. And look, stop doubting God's love, stop doubting God's forgiveness. Look, forgiveness, when he died on the cross, that's when he did the work of forgiveness. That's when he paid the price. That's when he took God's anger for you and I. And, and often it's described, and you've heard this before, if someone's in court, it's convicted, and they've been sentenced to jail for a long period of time, and, and suddenly someone comes in and says, excuse me, Your Honour, let them go. I'll go to jail for them. And that's what Jesus did. He paid the penalty and the price. And so if he did it then, and people often say, I can't forgive myself, Pastor. You don't have to forgive yourself. God's forgiven you already. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to forgive yourself. He's cleansed you. He's forgiven you when he died on the cross. He said he died for all. It is finished. The work's finished. It's up to us now to surrender to him and what he's already done. Isn't that exciting? And don't doubt God's plan. It's good for you. It really is. So the more we get to know him, the more we fill in with his plan. And don't doubt God's grace. You know what? We don't deserve a thing God has done for us, not only in Christ on the cross and his resurrection, but day in and day out. We don't deserve that. Yes, we do. God says by his grace, we do deserve everything he has and has done in the past, present, and the future for us. We do deserve it. We don't think we do, but he says we do. And God's mercy, what beautiful attribute, God's mercy. Wow. We've got to give up hatred and resentment. Now, you might say, oh, you know, somebody hurt me, Gary. Somebody betrayed me. Someone just blew my trust. I'm hurting over that. Look, we understand the hurt. We really do. And it's a it's a feeling. It's a biological thing too. It stirs up your body and your mind. So surrender yourself in that situation to Jesus 
and he will carry you through and he'll give you a peace passes all understanding. Not the peace the world gives, but the peace he gives. And um, we've got a... Uh, oh, that's right, this is it's very interesting. Talking to a police officer recently, and sadly and regrettably, his wife took off with another bloke. I'm not a police officer, but he was destroyed, as you can imagine. And there's been a lot of you here at church today that had broken relationships where you didn't want them. It's shocking. It's really destructive. It just challenges your very being, doesn't it? Who you are and what you are. And he said to me, he said, Chaplain, I can't forgive him or her. And I said, okay, that's very interesting. You can't forgive him. He said, answer these questions for me. Have you burnt their house down? He said, of course not. I said, if you uh, slashed the tyres and burnt their car up? Of course not. I said, if you arranged someone to murder them? He said, absolutely not. I said, if you arranged someone to bash them up? He said, no. I said, if you uh, trashed them on social media or newspapers or anywhere else? No, not at all. I said, guess what? That's evidence, and I'm evidence-based as a detective. That's evidence that you're forgiven them by what you haven't done to them. Often people think, well, you've got to go to someone and say, I forgive you. Well, sometimes that might happen. It's scriptural for that to happen on some occasions. But on other occasions, that may be counterproductive or even risky. And so what you haven't done to the person who's betrayed you or people shows me, and it should show you now, that you've forgiven them. And so surrender to Jesus the fact of what you haven't done. And that's beautiful. The other thing we've got to surrender and give up is gossip, lying, scheming, arguing, revenge, speech, hate, you know, harsh words, all of those things. We've got to stop that. We've got to give it up. Particularly gossip. If you want to destroy an emergency services station, police, fire, ambulance, volunteers, doesn't matter, health, hospital, whatever, start gossiping. Start talking about people behind their back, whether the, whether the accusations are false or not. Start gossip. The Bible says that gossip is like a little spark that creates a forest fire. And so we've got to give up gossip. We've got to stop talking. If you've got issues with people, then you need to meet with them and, and gently work through those issues instead of a lobbying crowd behind you or getting support for your point of view. It can be very damaging, can't it? We've got to give up judging others. That's God's job. You don't take over. You don't see an electrician do plumbing. Oh, well, I suppose some of them might, but normally each has their own trade. God's job is to judge others, not ours, Okay. And a big thing that comes up, whoever you are, you have to give up thinking you're superior to everybody else. The Bible says that you need to esteem others better than yourself. Look, could be your education, could be your age, know it all, could be your wealth, could be life's experience. I'm better than others because of that. And I, I, I remember I had a... Uh, 
senior police officer, uh, NCO, said to me, oh, they don't know, you know, SHIT from Clay, these ones coming in now. And I said, mate, that's why you to show them your experience, to give them the benefit of what you've been through, not to ridicule them because they yet are coming to go through what you're going through and been through. So don't think others less than you. Give up pride and self-centeredness. You cannot do life alone. You cannot do family alone. You cannot do work alone. So give up this pride, this I can do it by myself. No. Jesus said you can't. And so give in to him. Give up fear of people. Oh, I'm too afraid to do this because it's right. I'm too afraid to say that because it's right. There's a way we can then talk to people about things that need to be spoken about, but not in fear. Stop fearing people. And the Bible talks about don't fear mankind. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about heaven and hell. Tell them about the cross. Tell them about the resurrection and the way Jesus lived. Tell them. Don't withhold it. You know, I mean, if you've got wonderful news, you tell people, don't you? But this is more than wonderful news, what Jesus did for us on the cross, isn't it? Need to bring up too, any of you, I don't know, but give up any plans of suicide or homicide. That is, if you're going through turmoil at the moment and you're maybe planning to take your own life or somebody else's because of what's happened to you, don't. Give up those plans and give them over to Jesus. Ask him for help. Ask other people for help that you can trust to bring you through this crisis. Don't destroy your life or anyone else. Just come to him. And look, give up pushing others aside. Just because they're not as well-educated as you or knowledgeable as you or have as much money as you or whatever, whatever it is, Stop pushing others aside because you're judging them. Bring them in. Now, this is a big one amongst the church and non-believers. We need to surrender and give up all forms of sexual sin, including pornography. The Bible clearly says that all forms, whatever they are, of sexual sin is against God and against his law and against his love and against his whole character, it's sin. We've got to give up doing those sort of things. I had a Christian police officer recently that confided in me that he'd been hooked on pornography on, on, the, on, on the computer. Well, his wife found out, well, it was just mayhem for a while in the household. I was called in to mediate, minister to them, and... Uh, and when I was talking to him, I said, mate, look, I understand what gratification is and why you would get gratification from that. I'm talking to men and women, both can excess pornography. But guess what? While you're doing that, you're not relating to God in, in worship and in prayer and in Bible study. And even worse still, mate, while you're gratifying yourself with pornography, People are passing by your life who are streaming to hell because you haven't proclaimed the gospel message to them. Well, he burst into tears. 
He said, you mean it's not only sin, but I've been wasting God's time. I said, yeah, give it up. And he has, which is fair. And the joy in his face now, the peace he's got. No more disturbances, no more hiding and deceiving. Well, that's amazing. And look, give up alcohol and illegal drugs too. If you're in church today and you're delving into these things, stop it because you need to surrender your drug taking or, or whatever it is, your alcoholism, your gambling, any addiction. I know it's a mental health issue as well, but for you and your soul, you need to hand that over to Jesus and give it up. Surrender. I love the Bible, how true it is, how very accurate. And the Bible knows us, that's for sure. God knew us. Hebrews 11.25 says there is pleasure in sin. And those who know, it adds for a season. So the Bible's realistic and says there is pleasure in sin, particularly sexual sin and other sin. There's pleasure. But it says only for a season. It's a short time. We call it PP. Eventually, we'll pay for the party. And so we need to realise that, that we need to stop there. The other thing we need to give up is spending too much time on self-entertainment, that is TV, um, gaming, social media, all of those things. I, I, I spend time on these, on these conduits because it's very valuable. I love it. And, uh, you know, my Facebook and Twitter and all the rest of it and uh, LinkedIn, television, I love watching sport and I love my rugby and cricket and rugby league and all the rest of it. But I needed to give up time I was spending on them and spend that time with God because he loves spending time with him. Did you know that God actually loves us and loves in time with us? Oh, Gary, but he's God, he's creator, he's, he's uh, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But you know what? He doesn't need you and I, but he wants us. And when we're not spending time with him in prayer, reading the Bible and just, just being enjoying his presence, God misses us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit grieves. God grieves when we don't spend time with him. Can you imagine? Imagine this one. I come on here today and I just sit here like this. You'd say, what's up with him? Why isn't he talking to us? I reckon God must feel the same when we don't pray. What have I done that they're not talking to me? Uh, I've done everything for them. I've given my only begotten son. He died and I've put my wrath on him and he's taken their sin on him. He's, I showed them that he was God the Son, he rose from the dead, and they're not talking to me. What have I done? Nothing, of course. God wants us to commune with him. He loves our company. He loves that relationship more than everything. That's the reason we were created, is to have a relationship with him, not for what we can do, our jobs, our, our charity work, or our uh, volunteering. No, he wants a relationship with us. And adding to that too, we've got to give up not going to church 
there might be some today who haven't been to church for a long time or, I mean, there might be someone who's never been to church. Come along. Either Bridgman is a fantastic church or a church of your choice that's very Bible-based. Come along. Get the Word of God that will just see you through life and then in turn. Mixing with other Christians who can support you and the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Getting together is amazing, isn't it? The other thing we've got to do too is surrender or give up cheating at work. That is stealing things from work or school, and that could be things or time. I spoke to a police officer recently and he was feeling a bit down and I said, what's on your mind, mate? What is it? And he said, chaplain, I called in sick the other day and I played golf with a few mates. And he said, I'm feeling really bad about it. And I said, well, yeah, that is that is cheating and, and stealing time. I said, but the question is, don't ever do it again. And you're sorry for it? Tell God about it. Talk to him about it. And so we can often, you know, whether you steal some paper or pencil, or it sounds trivial, but it's still offending, isn't it? So don't do that. And uh, another thing that came up too, often with my chaplaincy, and I'm, I'm sure that the emergency and medical services listening right now, people disobeying the, not only the criminal law but the traffic laws. Every time there's a, as I, as I mentioned it before, every time there's a collision, God gets the blame. Why didn't God stop it? Why didn't God turn the car the other way? Why didn't God tries to stop it? And if we obey the road rules, we in the cops we're going to say, if every traffic law was obeyed, we wouldn't have a single collision, not one. But as soon as someone disobeys a law, they can either get away with it or catastrophe happens. But then God gets the blame. Uh, I remember uh, one time I was working on the police helicopter and we got a call to a semi-trailer overturned. We landed in paddock and the first there, obviously coming by air, only a few minutes away anyway, uh, on the way back from another mission. And uh, we jumped the fence with our medical kits. And when I went over to the semi-trailer, the driver was hanging, hanging upside down in his seatbelt. And um, when I crawled in, I, it reeked of alcohol. And um, this sounds good before lunch, but he'd vomited all over the place. And and I, I, this, this alcohol reeked, it was just hardly staying there. But I continued, I cervical collared him up and we spinal board him and lowered him down onto the sort of the roof of the cabin waiting for paramedics, maintaining his airway as conscious. But he was mumbling something and I couldn't quite get it. And then someone said, Gary, he said, my son, my son, my son. And I leaned down and I said, did you have someone in the vehicle with you? And he said, my son. And I turned around and I said to the guys and the girls there, I said, look around, there's apparently another passenger. We found these two little legs out from under the semi-trailer. We urgently dug him out from underneath because we didn't have gear lifted at that time. Rescue was very close by. Dug him out, brought him out, and he had injuries not compatible with life. In other words, we couldn't even resuss him. And the story developed. What happened was it was school holidays 
And Daddy said to his son, about eight years old, come on, come with Daddy on the track. He went and stopped in a hotel. He had a big load of food in the truck. And sadly and regrettably, he stayed with his mates drinking too long, looked at his watch. Oh, no. Oh, no. Jumped in the truck, put his seatbelt on, but forgot to put his son's seatbelt on in his intoxication and rush. Took off like a rocket, came around the bend and turned over. And it was very interesting because we, the rescue arrived and we did the extrication of this driver and then retrieved the body of this dear little boy. Got back in the chopper. On the way back, my mate, uh, I used to go down on the winch. I was the rescuer and he was the winchman and we had a pilot and co-pilot on the chopper. Now, my mate sitting in the back, he wasn't talking to me, only operational talk. Not talking, not talking. And I thought, hmm, said, are you all right, mate? And he ignored me. He didn't talk. I thought, whoa, what have I done here? And suddenly he turned around and he said, where was your effing God when that kid was crushed under the truck? And I just retorted without thinking. I said, mate, God doesn't drive semi-trailers. Well, that made the non-talk even worse. We landed, cleaned and refilled the chopper ready for the next mission, went inside, cooked a bit of a bit of a meal, and we sat watching telly waiting for a call. After a while, he wasn't talking to me at any time during this whole thing. After a while, he got up and he turned the television off very violently. Bash, turned it, turned it off. And he turned around and he said, Tell me about this effing God of yours. I started in the book of Genesis to explain suffering and bloodshed, that it wasn't God's fault, it was mankind's fault. Then I worked right through to Easter, where Jesus paid the penalty for our rebellion and sin and then rose from the dead to show that he was God the Son. Then I went through and talked about the book of Revelation, and talked about the catastrophe of coming in the tribulation and and prior to that, of course, our rapture and then going through to Christ's return and then a new earth and new heavens. He looked at me and he's crying. He said, Gaz, will you tell God I'm sorry that I blamed him? It wasn't his fault. I said, you know what, mate? You can do that yourself. You can approach him and talk to him personally. He just slipped off the lounge onto the floor on his knees and he bellowed crying and just came to Jesus. And I explained the gospel again to him. And he's now one of the strongest. He's retired now like me. But he's one of the strongest Christians in our Christian Police Fellowship. And so what happens is there is that we take responsibility and understand what God's done for us. And uh, the next thing is, of course, let's not give up studying the Bible. This amazing book, amazing, amazing. This is the living word of God. Now, I can tell you from a detective's point of view, the evidence is clear this is God's word. Let me tell you, not from a priest or a pastor or a minister, from a detective, this is the word of God. I can prove it. As a matter of fact, um, when I was a detective in court uh, giving evidence, 
there was a person, they were recording it, voice recording, and a person doing a little little bit of, um, you know, typing to record what I was saying. Then you'd have a lunch break, come back after lunch, and the defence lawyer would say, um, oh, um, uh, um, detective, before lunch, it says in the transcript here, you said the offender had a yellow T-shirt with a black native. Is that right? Uh, yes, sir, it's right. Of course it's right. That's what you said. I have the transcript. This is the transcript of God talking to those who were moved by the Holy Spirit to write his words in this book. This is the living book. And when you read it, you're actually hearing God's voice, not audibly, but you hear what you're saying transcribed in the text. That's why as a police officer I got so excited about reading the Bible and what God says to me through that. Boy, it was just so good. Don't, you know, whatever you do, don't not share with other believers. It's important we share together. And look, stop giving up, giving tithes, offerings and, and your talents because God wants those things to be able to do things in his kingdom here on earth. And listen to this one. Give up not sharing the gospel with non-believers. How can we have such amazing news? And forget the good news. What about the bad news? The full gospel is the bad news and the good news. And, of course, the bad news is the Bible clearly says for those who don't surrender to Jesus and don't give in to him, are going to be put aside in a place called hell. And people say, what? For eternity? Yeah. Why? We're in the middle of the pandemic right now, and uh, one of the things you've noticed is, and some of you might have been in it, quarantine. Why do people get quarantined? Because they might be potentially or infected. Usually there's a good chance they're infected. We read, oh, uh, 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 you know, a positive was found in a hotel quarantine. And do you know what? The reason they're in quarantine is that if they mix in the community, they'll spread the virus and cause havoc. And so they're put aside. The Bible clearly says those who are still stained with their sin, that is, they haven't come to Jesus and acknowledged what he did to forgive them, they reject him, they treat him like dirt, or maybe treat him like a wizard or a magician. Oh, come and do this for me. Thank you. Now go on, go on, Jesus, on your way. No, they have to be quarantined. They can't get into heaven with their sin. They'll pollute the whole place. And heaven is sinless, and it's a wonderful, clean place. And so they have to be quarantined. That's God's justice, isn't it? And so hopefully those here within my hearing today in church will surrender to Jesus, say, you're safe in eternity. You won't be put in quarantine. You'll be living with Jesus forever, both in heaven and then the new earth. The new heavens are coming. Wow, that's exciting. Look, um, give up self-pity or exhibiting being false. You know, don't put on an act, in other words. Be genuine and, and don't get wrapped up in... I guess what they loosely term a pity party. Oh, you know, this inward sort of wanting to feel uh, that the world 
is aggrieved in me and this self-pity. No, ask Jesus, surrender your self-pity up to him and give it in. That seems exciting, isn't it? Now, give up not believing the end of days is coming soon. You want to believe it from the evidence that I've seen as a police officer, both in God's word, firstly, and the events around the world, and we've got time right now, he's coming soon. We don't know when. We don't know exactly the time, date and place, but we can know the season. And the season, things are happening now. This is another subject, isn't it? Things are happening now that have never happened in the world before. And it's an imminent sign, believe me. And don't, you know, don't um, not praise God and worship him and, and, and with joy and admiration and thanksgiving like we've been doing in church today. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so if you're feeling heavy today, give up the heaviness in exchange for praise and you'll find amazing things. Well, as we finish now, look, most of all, don't give up hope in Christ and his return. Hope is one of the greatest attributes that we have as Christians. Now, talking about the manual for surrender, the manual for giving up, let's have a look at some of the things it says. Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, there's a bit of a warning here. It says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And there's, there's an order. It's not a request. It says, do not harden your hearts. Don't do it. God's saying, do not soften your heart for him. He wants you to soften your heart so he can come in and just minister to you and love you and show you his attributes. And a soft heart is a receptive heart. A soft heart is a giving in heart, a surrender heart, isn't it? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. What's interesting there is that God's not going to patch you up. God's not going to renovate you like we see renovations take place on buildings. He's going to demolish you and I. God, in his love, mercy and grace, demolishes us so that he can build us brand new on his foundation. And it says there, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. There's some things in my past and yours we want to forget, but we can't forget because our memories are there. But guess what? We can cut off the effects of the past on us today and become brand new. Are you sick of the old you? Are you sick of the way that you're living and, and acting and or not acting? Are you just fed up with yourself? Guess what? God can make you brand new, a brand new creature. The old has gone. So don't drag up the old anymore. It's demolished and you've been new built. Wow, that's exciting. The other thing we do too is we've got to give up masking. 
covering up. And that happens all the time, particularly I found in the police, where you had to put on a persona all the time. And a matter of fact, when I joined Police Rescue, I was told two things. Number one, we don't fail on a mission. There is no police rescue to rescue police rescue. Secondly, I was told if you get upset, I don't care if a kid dies, if you get upset, you're out of the squad. Because if we fall to bits, what are the others going to do? And so we had to mask up and, uh, and cover up um, and pretend to be stoic and strong. 1 John chapter 1, verse 10 says, if we say that we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in it. So in other words, if we think we're righteous, don't cover up. Don't cover your sin up because he says, if you say that you haven't sinned, you're a liar. Well, that's pretty heavy stuff. In ancient Greece, there were actors called hypocrites. And these hypocrites wore a mask. And these masks were to cover their face and they had clothing on which covered most of their body, of course, or all of their body. And they would have an act out of play. Now, us in the audience, you and I, if we picked someone and said, ah, that's so-and-so, then the hypocrite was not a good actor. But at the end of the play, if we said, I don't know who they are, and they took the mask off, oh, that's so-and-so, what a great hypocrite they are. Covering up and masking. When Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he said, you're hypocrites, He wasn't a derogatory term. He wasn't insulting them or ridiculing. What he was saying was, I know who you are, even though you're masking up to all these people. I know who you truly are and what you do. And so often God can see through your mask and mine. Tell me about it. He's often talking to me about it. So give in. Take the mask off and show him who you really are because he loves you and he wants you to be open and honest with you. You see, an offender who's been arrested know they're going to be punished. And Romans chapter 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that simply says wages of sin, sin has a cost, but guess what? That cost is paid. By Jesus. Wow. Matthew 4 7 says, On that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, repentance doesn't mean stop sinning, because we can't. We've got this flesh, this sin sick Adamic nature right through from Adam, and we just can't stop sinning. We try really hard, but repentance means to turn from your old life to a new life in Jesus. We call it being born again. Past our life, turn and go to a new life with Christ. Luke chapter 5, 32 says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Wow. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and I'm sure all of those who regularly attend church know this one. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that shows you, you can't clean yourself up. 
I mean, if you went and saw Queen Elizabeth II, you got to invite to see her, you get doled up and you might have hair cut and the ladies get themselves looking fantastically very elegant to see the Queen. Jesus said, don't have to get dressed up to see me. Come as you are because I know you. I know what you like, but I want to wash you clean. I want to forgive you and I want to give you a new, a new surrender, a new give in to me. And so remember, don't put it off coming to Jesus because you need to tidy some things up. No, come as you are. And a matter of fact, we read when Jesus was crucified that the curtain of the temple, there was a, an inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies, where only the priest would go um, once a year, sometimes twice, but, and it was the inner sanctum where no one else could go because God's presence was there. When Jesus was crucified, that curtain dividing the others from, from the priest was not only torn, it was rent. That is a violent tearing. So that it didn't tear this much sort of thing where we could put our eye and have a look inside to see God, although you can't see him, but be with his presence. Or this far, we stack our head through the curtain and look into the Holy of Holies. Or this far, where you could just put one leg in. It was torn from top to bottom so that we could enter, yes, you and me, enter the presence of God. Don't have to go through anyone. We can go into his presence through Christ by the Holy Spirit and enter. Wow. No wonder I get excited about God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God and not a result of works so that no one may boast. You watch every false religion and false message of a gospel, a supposed gospel, has things you've got to do to get to God. You've got to get up to God by doing all these things. No, God sent Jesus down to us. He came down. We didn't have to climb up. He sent his only begotten son down to us. Wow. Isn't that exciting? And he's motivated, we all know this one, John 3:16. motivated by love. God doesn't love you. He is love personified. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Wow. So as I said in the beginning, our only hope in rebellion is surrendering to God. And finally, a police officer approached me some time ago now and he said, Chaplain, I said, yeah, mate. He said, I hear about this Jesus thing that you talk about and that other Christians in the job. He said, I don't understand it. What's, what's this Jesus thing about? I said to him, I said, let me give you a bit of an example. Just say you're driving on a street doing 80 kilometres an hour. Next minute you look in the mirror and whoop, 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 whoop. You get pulled over by the highway patrol. Well, don't know what this is all about. Yes, officer, what's uh, what's the trouble? Oh, sir or madam, you're exceeding the speed limit. No, I'm not. I'm doing my 80. And then the officer points to a sign. It says 50. Oh, 
Oh, right, I forgot this was a 50. I'm in a hurry and I've got to get here, I've got to get there, and I'm impatient. Oh, okay, all right, you got me, fair and square. And the officer then writes the ticket out, although now they use electronics, but writes the ticket out for offending, gives the ticket to the driver. Hey, driver, before you go, yes, officer, give me that ticket back. What for? Just give it to me. Thank you. I'm going to pay that fine for you. I'm going to pay that ticket for you. Not only that, because you've got a horrendous record of offending against the law, when I get back, I'm going to cut and paste your record onto mine. You can't do that. You're a police officer. You're the one that booked me, and you're going to take the blame? You're going to pay the fine? I am, because you... Now, I said to this officer, that's what Jesus did, mate. You offended him by breaking the law and sinning. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay the fine, to take God's anger, to take God's wrath, to take all of that blame on himself for you. Not only that, he's wiped all of your sin record, past, present and future, on the cross and off your record so that you are cleansed and clean and will spend eternity with him in heaven. You know, this young officer, he was staring at me. I could see the tears welling up in his eyes and uh, spilt down his cheeks. He said, thank you, chaplain. Now I understand. I want to become a Christian and thank Jesus for what he did for me and going to do for me. And that's like today. There'll be people here, I guess, in church who, yes, you're a Christian, you've believed and received God by his Holy Spirit. You've done that? Sure. But things are not going really well with relationship, the relationship between you and God. You're doing things or not doing things which have caused a relationship breakdown. Your salvation is clear and in intact, you are saved, but at the moment the relationship has got a lot to be desired. And no doubt there's some others in church right now, you've never surrendered to Jesus in your life and you feel this strong urge. And that's not Gary Raymond and his words. This is God, the Holy Spirit, pleading with you to surrender to him and thank him for dying on the cross. Maybe this is Easter. It'll be the time that you surrender to God and know his love. I mean, I just can't describe the love and the peace I feel because of it. Don't delay. Do not put it off. Just melt in his love today. As we finish, I'm just going to pray a prayer. This prayer is not a ritualistic thing. It's not a salvation thing. It's just a plea, isn't it? So, if everybody, if you don't mind, could close your eyes and bow your head and just think about you. This is a chance for you to be self-centred. This is about you and what God's pleading right now. It says, Dear Lord, I admit today, according to your word, I am an offender who has broken your laws and have been found guilty before you. 
I have shut myself away from you in apathy, fear, shame or anger. I now surrender myself and the things I need to give up right now and hand them over to you. Thank you for loving me so much and sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my offences by shedding his precious blood to cleanse me. Thank you he rose from the dead to prove he is God the Son. Lord, I give in to you today. I surrender unconditionally. I'll stop resisting and accept your free gift of eternal life with you. Thank you for accepting my surrender and indwell me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. And now the message I hand over to God, the Holy Spirit, to work in all of our lives. And it's great to be with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Gary. We appreciate you sharing with us today. Can we just thank Gary so much for linking in with us? We appreciate your time. I do want to say today that if you're sensing God speaking to you and you prayed that prayer as Gary prayed it, we'd love to help you on a journey of faith. We have some Bible gift packs, free gift. We just like to give that to you as a Bible in there, some information to help you on your journey. It's the most important decision you can ever make is to say yes to Jesus, to surrender to Him and place your faith and trust in Him. We're going to sing just a bridge and a chorus of a song we sung earlier which talks about how great our God is. So why don't we stand together as we do that. Parents, if you need to go and um, collect your kids, you feel free to do that as we sing this song as well. But let's just sing this small part of worship now as we just give thanks for His presence with us. sharing with us today whether you're online or here in person don't forget tonight we've got Lakeisha Patterson joining with us 4 p.m and 6 p.m as well but God bless you you can grab a seat just a reminder too that our Easter uh, flyers are available for you to take to invite others to come along we look forward to connecting with you again soon God bless